0: And God's word is given to us this morning from Isaiah 55, as well as Psalm 73. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. And from Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you so much uh, for your word. It is truly living and active. And we believe it to be the true truth. And we're so grateful that you reveal yourself to us in that special way. And now, this morning, Lord, I pray that you would illumine Pastor Andrew's heart and mind as he teaches your truth to us, uh, give him clarity, uh, give him the ability to communicate clearly what you have for us this morning. And likewise, I pray that your spirit would illumine our hearts and our minds, that we would listen well, that we would absorb your teaching, and that would be renewed, and that we may know you just a little bit better this morning. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Please be seated.
1: Morning again. I'm Andrew. In case I seem like a stranger, Uh, it is good to be back. And uh, I see as we cycle through summer, some faces that weren't here last week. And if you're visiting this morning, we're certainly glad that you are here. A couple years ago, I became a grandfather, and I was. told before, you know, as this was on its way, uh, this being my granddaughter, uh, I was told, you know, once you become a grandfather uh, or a grandparent, you're going to discover a special kind of love that you didn't know you had. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, and then she was born. And there was that special kind of love that I didn't know that I had. My wife is, you know, very expressive about it. She'll often say, oh, I just love her so much I could eat her. I'm like, that just seems a little cannibalistic. Could Could we just, you know, find a different way to express that? But there's this deep deep down uh, connection, soul crying out. We've been singing about it a little bit this morning as we've been walking through these themes of delight and longing and craving, and and the Bible is just full of this language. Uh, You know, oftentimes when we, uh, I don't know how you approach the scriptures, but you know, there's we can really think about things in our in our rational brain, and, and we can want the truths, and, and we can go through that. And certainly, the, the Bible is, is full of, of the truths of, of God, and, and who He is, and what He has done for us. But then, there are other times when we're reading the scriptures, and there's this evocative language that is maybe appealing to the right side of our brains, where uh, they're inviting us into this experience, uh, to these delights, to these rich, fat foods that satisfy us in ways that nothing else can satisfy us. In many ways, what I want to reflect with you on, what I want to open up for us to consider this morning, to wrestle with, is uh, as a companion to what I talked about last week. I'm trying to, in the last few weeks here of the summer, just finish out this Etched on the Heart series and and share with you some texts that have been really important to me, uh, both over my life as well as uh, over the course of my sabbatical. Uh, One of them is this text that is your memory verse this week from Psalm 73, Uh, Whom have I in heaven Uh, but you earth has nothing that I desire beside you my flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forevermore. How do we how do we experience the Lord? Last week we talked about the fact that the Lord is our rest, that the Lord is the one who is the the goal of it. He is the substance of it. It's not that we rest, uh, you know, in anything else, a 24-hour period of time, 15 weeks of sabbatical, but we rest when we rest in the Lord. Today I want to maybe take it a step farther and touch into uh, to David in, in Psalm 27 where he says, one thing that I have asked of you, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Uh, and, and to let his soul be filled with that. And I, and I want to do it just touching in various places in Scripture. One of them, certainly, is Isaiah 55. And Isaiah 55, the first three verses, really provide sort of an outline for walking us through this, this deep hunger that we have, this, uh, this invitation to an experience. So the outline is there for you in the bulletin, true hunger in a world cluttered with junk food uh, finds its joyful satisfaction in Christ. Starting with true hunger, notice the the tone of Isaiah 55. It's so invitational. Uh, This is written in the context of exiles or people in exile, people who maybe don't know their freedom people who maybe aren't working in their jobs or, you know, their chosen vocation, people who are separated from loved ones. In the context of that, uh, the invitation of Isaiah, the prophet, the invitation of the Lord through his prophet, is pushing us towards what he is identifying as our true hunger. It is very invitational, just in the first few verses, come, come, come come, come. Four times there is this invitation to come. There's the invitation to listen, to incline your ear. If you go down into verse six, it's seek the Lord while he may be found. One of the things that the scriptures invite us to do is to open up our hearts uh, to what is deepest in us, And what will truly satisfy us? What will meet us all the way down to the bottom? And that's always an invitation. No matter where you are, no matter where you've been, there's that invitation to come and and to be known. Sometimes we talk about seekers. Uh, We think about seekers as those who don't know the Lord. And so we went through a period in evangelical church life where we would talk about seeker services and and those were services that were geared towards those who maybe were outside of the family of God currently. But the truth is that we're all seekers. You know, Paul talks about passage that we read from Philippians 3. You know, here he is toward the end of his life and he's pressing on. Uh, to know he's continuing to, to press into. You know, Peter says to the Christians in the diaspora, he says, crave pure spiritual milk. And that, that word crave there or uh, uh, desire, it, it's, it's really strong. It, it's earnestly desire, crave this spiritual milk. We are always to be pressing into. And seeking farther one thing I've asked of the Lord, that I may gaze on his beauty. But what is the goal? We get that sense in Isaiah 55, you know, he talks about uh, buying, uh, buying wine and milk without money, without price. But then in verse 3 is where we understand what he's really offering them is the steadfast sure love that God has for his people. Uh, it's this everlasting covenant, this steadfast, sure love. Now, I know many of you recognize there is, whenever we see steadfast love, it's it's seeking to translate this idea of hesed, uh, which is, is God's covenant love. Now, that That sounds so academic to us, but it's this really deep, compassionate, heart of God love. You know, the Lord, the Lord, full of compassion and mercy for his people. The one who opens his heart to his people and and he loves them. And, And this is what, Uh, The prophet is saying, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your exile might be, no matter what you identify as your present felt need, your deepest need is to know that God loves you. Your deepest need is to know that his heart is for you and that is your anchor. It's interesting, uh, Heidelberg Catechism, talking about the Lord's Prayer, question and answer 120 says, why did Christ command us to address God as our Father when we start the prayer as we did this morning? And the answer is to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence for and trust in God, which is to be the ground of our prayer, namely that God has become our father through Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of him in faith than our parents would refuse us earthly things. The the writers of the catechism knew that we we need to have this, uh, this knowledge of God as the father who loves us awakened in us in order that we can really cry out to him. I think most of you know that Lisa and I have been involved in foster care and adoption uh, for pretty much 25 years. Uh, And we've we've had lots of opportunity to have different kids in our home, uh, as as well as go through lots of different trainings. Uh, And one of the things that we talk about a lot in that world, and some of you will be familiar with this, is the idea of attachments and just how important they are. And, you know, we will talk about sometimes uh, things like attachment disorder and and how that really can affect the life of a young person. Some of the characteristics of attachment disorder, you know, you see kids who are superficially engaging, uh, they have charming behavior. Uh, But they are not able to connect. There's little eye contact, contact, nonsense questions, incessant chatter, inappropriate demanding or clingy behavior, lie about the obvious, destructive behavior to self and others, no impulse control, poor peer relationships. You know, I read through those, and we've had kids in our home that have exhibited those, uh, and you see that. But then I also recognize we we can have spiritual attachment disorder, uh, where we're we're not grounded in the father's love for us, and and we see some of these you know same behaviors coming out in our life. Um, we we recognize that. We're always boasting, you know, trying to prove our worth uh, because we're not secure in the love of God. We recognize that we are complaining and, and thankfulness or thankless. Uh, we, we, tear each, we tear others down in order to make ourselves look better. We're we're not anchored in the Father's love for us. We get defensive. We get angry, especially if somebody points out to us the fact that we get defensive and angry. <laughs> and, and, and all of these things are that, that spiritual attachment that is so necessary. And that's our true hunger. And, and what, what the scriptures, what you know, God through his prophet Isaiah, uh, what David, what Asaph, uh, what they're pushing us to is to recognize that at the bottom of it all, at the bottom of it all, is our need to know that God loves us as a father. That his steadfast, sure love is for us. And of course, when when we don't have it, we, when we don't have that knowledge, we, we still have the hunger, even if we can't identify it. You know, so one of the I think challenges this morning is to, you know, still ourselves enough to stop to cease and, and ask ourselves, you know, what is driving me? Uh, what is my hunger? Can I see that in myself? Because if we don't, we're going to seek to satisfy our hunger in in all sorts of other ways. Uh, you you see that in in verse two. You know, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? your labor for that which does not satisfy. We saw it as well in Psalm 16 that Jim read for us uh, in the call to worship. We, we look for happiness in so many other places. And I think you recognize this. We talk about this a lot when it comes to confession. You know, the prophet Jeremiah says this, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that that cannot hold water. So there's all sorts of junk food in this world. And and when we have that hunger that we all have, uh, and we're not seeing it being satisfied by Christ, we're not pursuing it in that way, we're going to look in other places. We're going to grab for the cheese puffs, when we need a handful of nuts, you know, we're gonna grab for something that uh, ultimately is just the sugar cereal. When we need our eggs and potatoes, we need something much more substantive. There are easy things to pick on. We can pick on, you know, drinking, drugs, money. I mean, we can do that, but it's interesting. You know, there are somewhat easy targets, but drive down the highway. Uh, we spent a lot of time this spring driving back and forth to Kalamazoo, Lisa's family, we're transitioning Hector over there, uh, and it seemed like every other billboard was either beer, bake, or bedding, you know, it's either beer, marijuana, or betting, and, and, and this, is, this is what people are being offered in terms of the hungers, you're, you're hungry, you want to be satisfied, you know, beer like no other. You know, come, enjoy cannabis. You know, it's abundant. This is what our culture is saying. You, you need a diversion. MGM betting studios, uh, DraftKings, you know, just get in and you can be rich and you can have fun and you can be better than all the others uh, around you. So they're easy targets, but they're also very real. Uh, this this is very much a part of our culture, and, and aside from the morality of those certain things, just recognize that they're not they're not going to satisfy us. We, we can look there, but you you're not going. You're still going to be hungry just two minutes later, no matter. Uh, how much you consume of those particular things. But there's, there's so much. Like I say, those are, those are easy targets. They're very real targets. But, but we, we look in all sorts of different good ways. We look to our relationships, you know, our good friendships, our, our kids. You know, what kind of parent are we? Do we employ good gentle parenting? And if I do this well, is that going to satisfy me? Uh, we, we look to our, our vocations, our jobs, we, we look to our talents, whether it be our sports or our music or whatever it might be. We, we look to, to these achievements that we have for satisfaction. We look to uh, our idea of being right. Uh, you know We see that in the social media world, all of these, Posts and you know, we come back with such vehemence. My opinion is the right opinion. Read an article recently who was uh, of a woman who was sort of confessing that. She said, uh, I would say that my drug of choice is to think of myself as good, more specifically, to think of myself as better than others. I know that I devour anything that gives me a little self-righteous dopamine um, bump, I devour that stuff like chocolate. It's delicious. Um, but it's not going to satisfy us. And she goes on to say, this is, maybe this is why Dietrich Bonhoeffer said the gospel is frankly hard for the pious to understand because the gospel confronts us with the truth saying that you are a sinner, a great and desperate sinner. Now come as a sinner that you are to the God who is in love with you madly. She goes on and says, God has the uncanny ability to reach past our photoshopped profile picture into the stark reality of our actual hearts, into every hidden motive, every xenophobic thought, into all of our secret self-loathing and fear, into every dark thing that we hide so well. None of it is safe from the terrible mercy of God. It's interesting the way she puts uh, that last phrase. You know, no matter where you're looking, you know, whether it's one of these obvious sort of empty calorie fillers that we seek to satisfy our hunger, or whether it's something that is more acceptable and maybe a little bit more subtle. uh, If it is not God himself, we're going to find ourselves empty. We're going to find ourselves uh, needing to be searched, and, and that's what God does. God comes and, and He searches us uh, in His terrible mercy. Uh, this this penetrating gaze that has the power simultaneously to unmask us, you know, to to help us to see. our our weakness, to help us to see our vulnerabilities, our nakedness, but also at the same time to capture our hearts and to capture our loves because this is after all what God is after. You know, I, I have poured my love on you. Here is what I want you to know, exile. I want you to know the steadfast, sure love of God. Because God knows that what our heart loves will control our heads. It will control our hands. It will control our feet. What we love is where we go. And we recognize this too. What makes us anxious or angry, those are the things that we love. You know, when, when, we, when we feel ourselves being triggered in those ways, we can trace that back and say, there's something really important to me here that's being stepped on, that's causing me to be anxious, that's causing me to be angry. What do you love? What do you love? And the invitation is to come, to come and to buy without money, without cost. There's this free gift of the gospel, the good news, all that God has done for us he tells us in verse 3 of Isaiah 55, it is the stead, <coughs> sorry, it's, um, you know, this everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Uh, he connects this covenant to the covenant. That he made with David, that David's line would always sit on the throne, this covenant that was ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And so when Isaiah is saying this to the people, he's helping us to connect to all that God has done. You know, from the councils of peace, where it was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit before the foundations of the world, knowing our wandering hearts, knowing our propensity for junk food. He said, I am going to make a way. And it's going to involve the Lord Jesus coming to this earth. It's going to involve him entering into the state of humiliation, going to a cross. It's going to involve him uh, taking on all uh, all of our wanderings, all of our sin. It's going to involve him crying out from the very depths of his soul my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we can cry out from the very depths of our soul. My God, my God, I have never tasted anything sweeter. You are all my desire. You are all my longing. And that is what truly satisfies. And, and this is what uh, God is inviting us not just to know, you know, not just that we can repeat the facts about these things. You know, you go to Colorado and you can say, well, there's 14,000 foot mountains and they have snow on them this amount of the year. And, you know, the, the Rockies spread from this direction to that direction. And Denver is located a mile high. And then you are in the mountains and and your soul is singing because you realize how small you are and you realize how big the mountains are and you realize how big God is and how majestic he is. There's knowing and then there's knowing. And what the psalmist is pushing us towards, what the prophet is pushing us to, what Peter is saying, what Paul is saying is that we, we press on to know this God. We press on to experience the goodness of this God. You remember last week, the unknown psalmist in Psalm 116 said, I, I love the Lord. I mean, what a statement. We, we can just read over that, but I, I love the Lord because he, he knows that God has loved him. He knows that God moved heaven and earth in order to bring him into relationship. Or the psalmist in Psalm 63 who identifies his hunger, who recognizes that he is thirsting. This is David Uh, My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. But I've gazed on you. I've looked on you in the sanctuary. Uh, Your steadfast love is better than life. Do you you feel the immensity of the mountains? Not, Not just can your brain compute it, But but can you feel the immensity of the mountains? My soul is satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. You know, this theme just keeps coming back. You have never tasted anything. You've never savored anything. You've never been in love with anyone like God himself. So where do we go from here? You know, what, what does this mean? Just a, a couple of things um, in terms of responding to this. One, you know, we need to get in the mountains. We need to find ways to do that on a daily, weekly basis. You know, some of what we talked about last week with regards to rest, return, oh my soul, to your rest. You know, just the gift of a Sabbath day. You know, here here God gives us one day a week where you have no other duty. Okay, you may have to change a couple diapers. You may have to do a few other things. But you have no other duty than to gaze at the beauty of the Lord. God says, pull up a table. Come to the feast. You know, open your Bibles. Delight in me. This, This is your... Your responsibility, this is your, uh, your privilege this day. You don't, you know, let the world go by. I've got it. I've got it under control. I don't need you to operate the world. Stop. Delight uh, in the Lord. Cease. Focus. Rest. Savor. Uh, allow your, your desire to bubble up to the surface. And to find its match In the Lord Now part of it I don't know where you are You know some of you have been on the journey For a long time and we get at different places Where you know Sometimes a journey gets hard and, and we need to We need to like carefully Intentionally stop and go back and do this Some of you may be wondering What, what I'm talking about uh, You know what what is that journey And And part of what the invitation here is, is just stop. You know, you're, you're pursuing all of these things and they're all empty calories, they're all dead ends. Just, just stop running and, and open your heart to the Lord. Pick up the scripture, start paging through some of the things that we've read this morning. Uh, throw up just a, a desperate, it could even be a nondescript prayer. Lord, I, I want to taste. I want to see that the Lord is good, Psalm 34, for those of you coming this week. Uh, I I want this, but I don't know how. And the Spirit is is so delighted to help us make those connections and, and and begin to move in that direction. But we really do need to work at cultivating this delight. You know, sometimes we, we just go through life and, and we you know food as fuel. We never really enjoy our, our food. We we're just putting it in and we're chomping it down and, and then we're on to the next thing. But learning to cultivate this delight, you know, the psalmist in Psalm 1 will talk about how he delights in the law of the Lord, and on this law he meditates day and night. What's he doing? He, he's cultivating that, that delight. He, he's slowed down uh, enough where, where he can meet with God. You know, I was going to mention this last week, but there, there's a book called The Three Mile an Hour God. And, and the idea of the book is that, you know, as Christians, we're always called to walk before God or to walk with him. Very, very rarely are we told to run. And and we walk at about three miles an hour. And and part of cultivating this delight is is slowing down, learning to walk with God, going at that pace, allowing these these culinary um, muscles to be developed so that we can savor and delight in God Himself, you know. The third thing that I'll just mention here: so there's, there's stopping, there's slowing down, there's cultivating, meditating, getting in God's Word, standing in the mountains, you know, allowing yourself to see it. The third thing uh, is is letting it overflow. Uh, it's interesting as you read through the Psalms. Uh, there's always this movement towards. I, I can't contain this anymore. I've got to share this. I've got to, you know, tell the world about what God has done for me. I think what I want to highlight is while there is certainly that aspect of the Christian life, it's not a duty that's going to earn you God's love. It's very much coming out of this experience, this encounter with God, and it's an overflow of what God gives us. But it is a question that we ask ourselves. Like if I'm I'm not wanting to talk about this, if I don't see this in my life, what does that mean? You know, how do I go back then and, and get in the mountains and allow the beauty to overwhelm my soul? I hope that there has been both sufficient invitation as well as sort of an evocative sense of, you know, what does it mean to press on? What does it mean to crave? What does it mean to desire? Heaven and earth has nothing that I desire besides you. God alone is the strength of my heart and my portion. Again, there's that that food imagery. He's the portion that's been set aside for you. Because you are of the royal family, Uh, you are the bride, the groom, and the caterers have set aside this portion for you that you would enjoy. God has set aside himself for you to enjoy and to feast on. One last example. Um, A summer we were camping up in Pentwater, which had three and a half inches of rain yesterday. Um, but uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a beautiful day. Actually, a storm had come through a little bit earlier, and Lisa and I went out to watch the sunset. And um, we, we love watching the sunsets there. When the sun goes down, people clap, which uh, I just find really interesting. You know, you got all this variety of people, but just acknowledging, you know, the beauty of what only God can do. And those of us here in West Michigan, we, we appreciate the sunsets. Well, this night, you know, there was uh, some clouds in the area, and the way that the sun came in, it, it was just absolutely breathtaking. And I'm struggling right now to describe it because, you know, you had to be there. And so what did we want to do right away? We we were taking pictures of it because we wanted to preserve it and then we were sending them to the family group chat and say, oh, we wish you were here. This is so, so beautiful. This is our God. He does amazing things that touch us at the deep soul level and we want to capture it. We want to taste and see that he is good and then we want to share it. Because there is nothing in heaven or earth that can compare to the beauty of our Lord.